You have to be your biggest fan. And when things are really tough and they're really rough and nothing's working, but there's something inside of you that says, I just have to follow that. Because you don't know who you're gonna be, who you're gonna be, who you're gonna be. You're listening to The Grieving Together Show, a podcast that journeys through grief with individuals, couples, and families who have experienced the loss of someone that they love. Hi, my name is Kelly Bro, co-founder of Redbird Ministries, a pro-life, pro-family, Catholic grief support ministry located in the Diocese of Lafayette, Louisiana. I'm sitting down today with grieving families who have been impacted by loss, asking specific questions how they found healing and hope in the middle of the storm, the lessons they learned, and tips we can all use to survive loss while staying close to our faith. I encourage you to lean in and allow God to love you through our words and take to heart what these incredible families have endured and how they have rise above their suffering. We hope you enjoy today's show. Heidi Handel is the mother of six living children and seven little saints in heaven. She has a background in education with a master's of education in instructional design and has done a little bit of everything when it comes to teaching, directing, designing, and training in early childhood programs. She left the professional world in 2006 for the most important group of children she has ever worked with, her own. In her spare time, she enjoys reading, taekwondo, gardening, and knitting. Please help me welcome Heidi Endo. All right, so thank you, Heidi, for joining us today on our Grieving Together show. You're welcome. It's good to be here. <laughs> awesome. So I met Heidi. Um, this is actually the first time we, we're chatting today, but I met Heidi on the Mommy with a Little Saint Facebook page. If you um, have not heard about Mommy with a Little Saint. It is a Facebook group for Catholic women who have experienced the loss of a child through uh, from miscarriage um, through infant loss. So um, Google them and share with your friends if, uh, if you're looking for a support group to help you through that time. So one cool um, thing that I learned today that Heidi's actually an author. So why don't you tell us about your books and uh, then just transition into who you are and we'll continue from there. Sure, I'd love to. Um, So yes, I am an author. I have um, three books and they're all kind of in the realm of family, although different aspects of family life. Um, My most recent book is called Mission Family, a journal to help Catholic families discover their unique vision, mission, and rule of life. It's a little, just a little bit of helping families discover what their personal charism kind of is. You know, some families are really contemplative, some are really active, and just embracing what is your family really good at and what is your family interested in doing. So that's the newest. I'm going to start with the newest and work backwards. And before that, I, have, I also have 67 ways to do the works of mercy with your kids. Uh, We're coming to the end of Lent. It was actually published right before Lent last year, um, and it is exactly what the title says it is. It is 67 ways to do the works of mercy with your kids, including um, a lot of information on background for the works of mercy and some follow-up activities and how to talk about tough things with your kids. 
but the book that we're here that that is relevant to what we're talking about here today is I'm also the author of Blessed is the Fruit of Thy Womb, Rosary Reflections on Miscarriage, Stillbirth, and Infant Loss, which is obviously the book that puts me, um, you know, in that Facebook group that allowed us to kind of meet. And um, it's actually the topic that is the most, um, I don't want to say it's exciting to talk to, talk about. Um, I was talking with a publisher once and he said, you know, it's hard. You've been through a lot, Heidi. And I, I don't want to say that I'm happy that you've been through all this, but you have done something beautiful with this book and that God has opened up this opportunity for you to share your life with other people in a way that can encourage them. And that's really what I, I hope to do both in my own ministry and then also then coming here to your ministry to share with other people, um, our journey and our experience because, um, pregnancy and infant loss is crushingly devastating. Um, it's also extraordinarily um, hopeful. There's a place in all of it to truly learn to lean on our faith and to grow as uh, couples for my husband and I, to grow as parents, to grow as human beings and individuals. So that's kind of like the nutshell. I could never actually talk about all of that at one time <laughs> version of um, kind of the author side of who I am. Uh, then, so just to share a little bit about uh, the, the miscarriage side, the loss side, uh, my husband and I have had seven losses. Uh, we've had five miscarriages. We had a 30 week stillbirth. And then uh, we also, right before um, the book was published, and this was kind of the loss that led to the eventual publication of the book. We had a daughter who was um, born alive, but only lived for a few hours following a poor prenatal diagnosis. I was on um, bed rest for like four months, and we pretty much knew that she wasn't going to do well. We did the best that we could, and during that time, I just really had to draw very deeply on into my faith and lean um, lean on, especially on Mary, uh, as I kind of walked through that journey. And then afterwards, the book kind of fell, fell out of that experience for me um, in learning to relate to Mary in a different way. That's beautiful. Yeah, she um, has a incredible way of um, coming to our aid in that suffering. Um, I've had a similar encounter with her um through my own um journey through grief mine was um an encounter with a mom who is protestant and she was the first mom that god sent me to um journey with through this ministry and i'd finally told god yes and i wasn't running from him anymore because i felt that for so long that I was supposed to help people through loss, but it was, I couldn't help myself for a long time. And so you can't help someone else until you help yourself first. So I was finally to a point where I could tell God, yes. And the first person he sends me is, um, you know, someone who isn't Catholic and not that I was afraid. I just went to her with all this Marian things and I got really frustrated after that. And I was like, God, how could you send me someone <laughs> that like I'm like I'm trying and like I, I like I couldn't relate not couldn't relate in the aspects of our loss but in the aspects of our faith 
which was so near and dear to my heart. I wanted to bring to her just the healing powers of the sacraments. And um, I was able to do that because she was open to it only because we had experienced the same um, loss. But it really made me think and contemplate on, okay, if, if this happens again, like what am I supposed to say when someone, you know, tells me, you know, if it wasn't for my baby, I would have never experienced, accepted this gift uh, of this book of Mary. Like I need the words. And it was in that moment, like I, like asked God, like I need to know her. And he just started pouring like all of this just love of her into my heart, like in a way that I've never felt before. Cause I struggled with, um, I wasn't raised Catholic. I was raised Protestant, even though I was baptized Catholic, my mom converted. And, um, when I met Ryan, I converted back, but, um, I struggled with praying the rosary because it was always done at funerals. So it was a very solemn prayer to me. And I struggled with that even after I converted. Um, and so he, like God broke through that and it was yeah. my suffering. It was during that time. So it's yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. I really think that, um, there is a, there is something in Mary that is unique for the grieving mother. Uh, in fact, I actually am a convert myself and we converted about 10, 11 years ago and the, the most defining moment that I have in my conversion was the Good Friday after our stillbirth. And we were a part of a very traditional Protestant church who still had Holy Thursday and Good Friday services. And we had gone to Good Friday services and we were doing the Stations of the Cross. And I had this sense of, you know, his mother standing at the foot of the cross. And I had this sense of, Oh my gosh, his mother right there. Don't you see what he's going through? His mother is, do you not know what she's going through right in this exact moment? There's this, I just connected with Mary as this very devoutly Protestant woman. And all of a sudden I was almost angry about it. After I kind of started processing it, I almost became angry because we were ignoring her. And right there was this woman, this mother who was watching her son suffer and die. And I had held my deceased child in my own arms just a few months earlier and I just couldn't rectify that um that disconnect and that um kind of you know it just what I thought I knew you know Mary is a Catholic thing we were Protestant we don't do Mary that's that I was just I had that side of me that I'd grown up with my whole life and then I had this grieving mother side of me that all of a sudden I felt like there was someone who got it Oh yeah. And so it was really a process for me from there, but those were the seeds that were planted. And, you know, I always hesitate to get too wrapped up in the purpose of any individual given loss. You know, there's so many cliches about it happened because of this, or it happened because of that. I mean, after this many years and this many losses, I've probably heard every cliche and pat answer under the sun. <laughs> yes. And, you know, with time, I've kind of learned it's better not to try to put the reason on it, to just let God have that reason and trust that he has it, even if we don't understand it. But in that case, I really firmly believe that whatever purpose there was, God certainly used that life, that my daughter Kenna's life, to show me that there was a whole side of our faith that was missing. 
Yes. Not that we were so much wrong, but that we were missing so much richness and so much depth, mm-hmm. you know? And so then as, as we started to become Catholic and then after we became Catholic and we had our daughter, Sienna, who was, um, who had the poor prenatal diagnosis after she died, I found myself praying the rosary and just almost through every mystery, I was like, wow, this is this is how we need to be praying the rosary in pregnancy and infant loss. Just with this lens of my child had an annunciation moment. My, there was a moment when I discovered that I was going to be having this child and no amount of loss, no amount of heartache, no amount of sorrow ever takes away that moment. But also from very early moments in Christ's life, you know, from the, you know, even in the joyful mysteries, we have our first taste of the seven sorrows of Mary in the presentation. You know, we have our first taste of these, you know, a heart, a sword shall pierce her heart. Mm -hmm. And so as I started, like, I started realizing like every step, it wasn't just the cross that I had, where I had discovered Mary initially. Mary was innately a part of Jesus's life all the way through. And in kind of seeing Jesus through her eyes, um, it completely transformed the way that I was able to see uh, my own suffering and understand what purpose, I I just said I wasn't going to look for purpose and then I used the word purpose, (laughs) Um, but not necessarily what purpose, but what value Mm -hmm. my suffering can have and how it didn't have to be like the only story I ever had to tell was this terribly sad story like because my story is sad and mm-hmm. and that's okay because my story is also joyful exactly. my story also has a hope and a future and all of those things happen and occur and are true because of Mary and her yes it's like looking for the good on good friday that all yeah. intrigued me. Why is it called good? It's horrible. Jesus died, you know, and then you realize it's good because he, he gives us salvation, you know? So I, I totally get it. Like there is a greater purpose, even though we don't want to use it. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> it's only all the, oh, God has a bigger plan for you yeah. or God needed that baby more. Those are the sorts of things I'm talking about when I say I don't like, I mean, those are just, they're not helpful statements for yeah. most women. Most people do not find those comforting. No. It can be very harmful to people's faith if they're kind of nonchalantly brushed off the used to brush off people's true experience of loss and true experience of sorrow. You know, I've been writing about pregnancy and infant loss for probably about a decade, just kind of through my other work every once in a while on an anniversary, I would do a blog post or something about it. Um, I didn't start speaking about it until after the book came out, but, um, you know, it's really amazing to see how the attitude towards it has shifted. Um, there is more of an acceptance now than there was 12 or 15 years ago that women can talk about this, that it's a valid, it's valid to be upset about it. Um, I still think we have a long way to go, but I feel very encouraged when I see ministries like yours. I see other authors coming out with books, you know, every few months now there's a new, there's a new book coming out, or even if it's not a fancy professionally published book, somebody's putting out an ebook or a 
So I just, I feel very encouraged that we're starting to get the idea that these are important lives to celebrate and honor. And that for the moms and the dads and the siblings of these children who have passed, there's a real um, opportunity to really minister to them and for them to grow through these situations in their faith um, and in their trust of the Lord. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I had someone, a friend of mine that said, you know, she told me that she had went to confession. She was struggling with her miscarriage and her priests, you know, lovingly told her to be open to life is to be open to death. And like, that was just, that has stayed with me until since she has told me that. And she's right. You know, he's right. Right. Be open to life is to be open to death, but we aren't. And like, I think a lot of the times too, like not even just the secular world. And I say this probably a lot, but it's so true. It's not even just our secular world that is, you know, shaming us for the way that we're feeling. It's a lot of times those in our church, mm-hmm. you know, because we know about the resurrection. And I talk about this often too, but just because we know about the resurrection, we cannot forget all that Jesus went through. Like we can't forget the agony in the garden and we can't fit, forget about the crucifixion and um, Simon who, who helped Jesus to carry his cross and Veronica that what we can't forget all of these moments that in our grief took, take us to the resurrection. You can't bypass it just no. because you know the end of the story. Right. Absolutely. And I think it's very tempting to do that because it's more comfortable to do that. But I think in what I've learned about healing through pregnancy and infant loss has taught me a lot about healing other wounds in my life. I always, I was, I told my spiritual director once that I think I figured it out backwards. You know, I think most people have to figure out the spiritual life and then they figure out the pregnancy and infant loss, but because the way that Mary just really captured us and was so a part of our conversion. And then this, this whole experience for me, it was almost like I started to understand the truth about that. What you were just talking about, we can't ignore the passion narrative that happened prior to the resurrection. I learned that through pregnancy and infant loss, and it took me many years to be able to apply it to the rest of my spiritual life, to realize it applied to grieving every small and large trauma that had happened at any point in my life and integrating that into who I am as a beloved daughter of Christ. Yeah, absolutely. This is definitely a a missing piece and a touch point for evangelization that the church is, is, missing. There's so many families who are suffering the loss of a child. I mean, the average is one in four pregnancies, not one in four families, but one in four pregnancies um, will experience a miscarriage. And um, I think there's just so much that we can share with our families um, in our faith by helping them and journeying with them through their suffering. Yeah. Our parish has really done a nice job with that. Our pro-life hearts for life ministry has kind of also, um, they also, we also have a very strong Elizabeth ministry and they work together a lot. So a lot of the, um, the ministries kind of overlap and they work together for fundraising and they work together for stuff, but I've been very impressed. We've only been at this parish, I guess, maybe three or four years. And I've been very impressed by their Elizabeth ministry program that is very thorough. And I actually, I had two miscarriages, two miscarriages in a row in the last year. And I kind of, I kind of with the second one was just like, you guys don't need to do the whole meal train. You don't need to do the whole, like, 
not because I didn't appreciate it, just because I felt like I needed more, I needed a little more space than that, but they totally ignored me. And, you know, I started getting, you know, I got a, um, an enrollment card at a local shrine in the St. Gianna guild that they sent me in the mail. And somebody else sent us a Papa Murphy's, um, gift card because they weren't going to hear my, they didn't, they weren't going to hear my no, they were not going to let me try to downplay, downplay that this was important too, you know, even though that was my instinct, you know, and just, and I just felt like I needed to do that to protect myself. And, and to some degree I did, but to another degree, I'm so grateful that that ministry was just like, you know what, we want you to know that this, this life, this baby was really important and we're not going to let you, you know, you don't have to come be, you don't have to go on the prayer chain. You don't have to get the meals and the cards from the whole group. We're not going to let you ignore it. And I just really think that's a beautiful thing to do. I totally agree with what you're saying about evangelization. I think that there's a lot that, our churches could do before, during, and after a woman experiences loss in order to support them in a way that um, they know that this is where they should go. I mean, a huge part of our um, our conversion was realizing that when it came to honoring the dignity of our babies who had passed away, it was really only the Catholic Church who did. Mm-hmm. You know, no, it wasn't the perfect system. You know, there are plenty of, I had plenty of Catholic friends who had bad experiences, negative experiences as well. But when it came to it, the only people who really considered that they were lives was the Catholic church at the end of the day. And, um, and so that, that drew us towards that kind of helped us take those steps when, as we're starting to see Mary at the foot of the cross and she's starting to get in our hearts and I'm learning how to pray the rosary, that knowledge that the Catholic church was unapologetically, this baby is a life from conception really helped us. And I think that, you know, I hear a a lot of people will even email me and ask me, what can we do for moms after they've lost a baby? And I always say, there's a lot you can do after, but the first thing I want you to think about is what you can do before, because mom needs to know and dad, they need to know that the people to call are their church. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about the Elizabeth ministry that our chapter that's at our church, our parish is, um, they're so visible. So, and they advertise well what they do. So when a mom has a loss, she already knows that ministry exists or she should, if she's been attending regularly and paying attention. So I kind of always, I always kind of ask people to think about not just what you should do after, but think about the before, the during and the after. How does your average woman before she's even married sitting in your parish know that you support women and families that are going through this loss because if she sees it then if it unfortunately happens to her which statistically it very might likely might she will know to come to the church and then the other thing that i always i'm like the sacraments the sacraments the sacraments i was excited when i saw the title of your book because i think that's like another aspect that's something that the church can offer that nobody else can offer um, I did a training up in Bismarck a couple, I guess last summer, it seems like so long ago, but it was just last summer and working with priests and parish staff about this, um, this topic and just really thinking through, you know, what making sure that your church secretaries know what sacraments are available. What does the church actually teach about, um, you know, funerals for the unbaptized or funerals for, uh, when there's no body, because the the church has all of it covered in the rites, but not every priest knows about it. 
and definitely not every parish staff knows about it. So what can we do to make sure that you're, if you really want to be a friendly parish, make sure your staff are trained and they know what to do during, what sacraments can you offer? Um, you know, so I don't, I, I kind of get sidetracked, I guess a little bit, but um, yeah. So I just, there's so much that we can do to support these families and I see it happening and it's very encouraging. So. Yeah, that was something that I really, uh, thought about in kind of depth was that, you know, Redbird Ministries supporting, you know, parents of loss. It's really, to me, the, the, because the need is so great it, and the work that we did here, you know, for the last couple of years, it's taken so long. I realized that there's so many parishes and dioceses have probably experienced the same desire to create something like what we're doing, but because it takes so long to execute that, and there's the, there's so many great needs that that's probably why it hasn't been done like in a format of what we're trying to, um, to establish. Um, but what I'm really trying to say, I guess, is that that's exactly what we're, we're trying to package a grief support for a diocese or a parish that they can, whatever need that arises, like if they're looking for what's the, like, what does the church say about the, like the liturgical rites? Like they can go to our website and they'll find that there. Like, what can I do? Like if a mom experiences, like that will be there. Like if I want to um, start a support group, like that'll be there. So that's, all these resources that I think we all as parents of loss have desired, that's what we want to be able to our parishes and our diocese to have access to. Yeah, I think, and I think what's, what has happened as awareness has grown and acceptance that this is a real issue has grown. There are a lot of grassroots efforts in a lot of places, but like you said, they take time. They take dollars that a lot of dioceses are short on. Um, they take a certain degree of, um, oversight in making sure that liturgically you're giving the correct answer, which is not always an easy thing to discover. I did an article for, uh, Catholic news services back in October during pregnancy and infant loss month. And the amount of editorial back and forth on, with, between the two of us to make sure that it was liturgical, everything, every sentence was liturgically accurate. I mean, it was like a sentence by sentence stripped down of is this liturgically correct and there was going back and forth with a priest who was helping us make sure that our, things were worded properly and you know that's a huge task and for uh, a grieving family to take that task on is really incredible and I think that it's long been my hope that at some point we could start to have more of a community effort in here because right now, a lot of times we, right now we're very, the movement towards supporting women has been very segregated. It's been very, whatever this diocese can throw up versus whatever, you know, this parish can throw up. And there hasn't been a lot of an effort to make it um, consistent. You know, I was speaking with one blogger and we were talking about what it would be really beautiful to create a nation, nationwide database of pregnancy and infant loss speakers that both people who are willing to speak about the spirituality and the general and that sort of side um, 
but also people who are willing to just share their stories, you know, if they wanted to have, uh, so I don't know, that's on my list of things to put on my website someday that I probably never get to. So feel free to steal the idea if you need to. I love that. One of the things that we had thought about was having like a database, but, um, our database would, would connect the, like the grieving families together in wherever they lived and then it would like list like their church parishes because a lot of times people you know when they're suffering they quit going to mass and so like they you know when they get that desire they could they could go to the website put in their zip code and all the catholic churches in their area would pop up and then also to have um a database of catholic therapists yes because that's so hard to find so it's very hard to find somebody with that. But having, yeah, a database of speakers, that that's awesome too. People who are willing to share their stories, that's very hard to find. It is. Yeah. But every time that I do it, every time that I go to places and I speak, I get these incredible responses from people. It's been decades mm-hmm. since their loss. Um, you know, my, my record is 64. I had a woman tell me that it had been 64 years since her son had died and she she kind of she came up to me she just had tears in her eyes and she just I just had to tell you that it's been this long and I've never forgotten and thank you so much for sharing your story but my favorite was actually this older gentleman he came up to me after a fundraising event and he's like he just said he's like 50 years and he couldn't even talk he was so choked up he had tears in his eyes and he just he just couldn't say anything else he's like 50 years and he took his wife's hand and they walked away and I stood there and I was like Jesus, I don't know why you've asked me to do this. I don't know what good I'm serving you right here, but that was beautiful. And I want to be like that 50 years from now. <laughs> like I want to, I want to, I want to have that connection with my spouse 50 years from now still. I want, that's what I want. You know, I think it helps people to pull off those band-aids. You know, we just try to band-aid our wounds and like Jesus is like, no, bring them to me. I want to heal them. And so yeah. I think that's what we're doing is we're like helping people to take off their band-aids. Yeah. 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 Some real healing. <laughs> yeah. So awesome. This has been so beautiful, Heidi. Um, so I think you've shared a little bit about your losses, but can you tell us all their names? I would love to know that. I would love to tell you all their names, although you have to be patient with me because like my living children, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have to go in order and we're going to have to see if it all comes out, (laughs) if it all comes out right. So (laughs) our miscarried babies are Micah Joseph, James Patrick, Megan Catherine, Naomi Grace and Agnes David. And then our stillborn daughter is Kenna Leanne and our little girl who passed away uh, shortly after birth is Sienna Therese. Oh, that was drastically harder than it should be to do them all at the same time. (laughs) It's a lot though. It is. It is. And we ask all of those little beautiful saints to pray for us, pray for all of our families uh, who are listening to the podcast today and to um, just carry us through the 
the depth of our pain and our suffering and um, always to bring us to the light of Christ. Yes, absolutely. Amen. Amen. So do you have any last comments or things that you'd like to share with our listeners? I think I just would want to encourage them not to give up. It's so easy to get discouraged. It's so easy to listen to all the voices that are in our world that say that your baby wasn't important, that your baby wasn't even, there are a lot of voices out there that are telling us that. And I would just say, don't, don't give up. Don't listen to those voices. Those are the voices of the evil one who don't want you to honor this baby, who don't want you to recognize the spiritual um, growth that can happen in very painful situations. I, uh, when our daughter Sienna died, uh, man, my husband worked with, gave us a copy of this little book called like, I think it's six steps to Catholic grief or something. It's just, it's just like one of those little pamphlets that you find almost at every parish under the sun, they've got a rack of pamphlets and it's not much bigger than that. And the last step that he said of, that of Catholic grief was developing a spiritual relationship with the deceased. And I think that that is the key is that to really understand that our lives were not made for this world and that our legacy is not over at the death of our child. Our child's legacy has not ended at their death. Um, that we have, we continue to have the opportunity to have a spiritual relationship with them, to ask for their intercession, to um, seek the spiritual fruits of personal growth through that, um, to also to minister to each other. I really don't know any woman who has healthily grieved her child who doesn't spend at least some amount of her time helping other women in the same situation. Maybe not formally, maybe not in ministry like you or I, but who will stop after mass and sit with a mom that they know just had a loss or something else like that. So just don't be discouraged. Don't give up um, because sometimes it's long. You know, there've been periods in the last 15 years that have been extraordinarily dark for me. Uh, you know, it's easy to sit here and talk about all the positive and make it sound really pretty. I don't, I, I always hesitate. I'm like, I don't want to make it sound too pretty, but I also don't want it to be too depressing either. So um, just take heart that wherever God has you is not a mistake. And he has, there is a plan, although um, we may never understand it or know it. There is a per, I'm just going to use the purpose word again. Now I'm going to have to <laughs> practice not using the purpose word. Um, there there is beautiful fruit to be had um, through this extraordinarily difficult circumstance. That is so beautiful. Everything that you said was so beautiful. And I think that um, there's just going to be some hearts that are going to be healed through this podcast and that God's going to make something beautiful out of it. So I hope thank so. You. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. And, um, I, I'm going to end this podcast with just letting everyone know that we are praying for you and that we love you. And if you need to reach out to us, you can do so on our uh, website. It's www.redbird.love. Thank you for listening today to the Grieving Together show. Our hope is that you were able to find comfort in your grieving journey. To find out more about what resources and events Redbird Ministries has to offer, please visit us at www.redbird.love or visit us on Facebook or Instagram. 
please make sure that you subscribe to our email list so that you can stay current on what is offered. If our show has touched your heart and you would like to make a charitable donation, you can do so on our website at www.redbird.love/donate. Lastly, if you would like to sponsor an episode, please reach out to us at kelly at redbird.love. We leave you today in the two hearts. May God protect you and keep you, and God bless you.